Though I was pretty skeptical of what I had heard the day before about having an orgasm in your heart, part of me was like, if it's possible, I want to try it. Getting Discomfortable with Silence, Day 3. So on the morning of the third day, I focused during the first meditation on sex. I just, I was thinking as many sexual thoughts as I could to try to see if I could connect like orgasm with (laughs) my heart or with meditation. It's kind of uncomfortable meditating with a boner, especially when your eyes are closed and like theoretically no one's supposed to be looking at you, (laughs) but what if someone is? And though I was able to feel some interesting (laughs) heightened sort of internal sexual feelings, it didn't feel like I was getting anywhere close to an orgasm in my heart. Though there probably is some interesting connection between meditation and sex, I think that's where the whole concept of tantric sex comes from, I could tell that that wasn't really the domain in which a heart orgasm was going to happen. I needed to find a new tactic. And in the lecture that day, they tried to tie the teachings and philosophies of the Radaya Yoga Center with some science. If you recall from previous episodes, I discussed how their whole meditation philosophy was inspired by an Indian sage named Ramana Maharshi. He believed that as you meditate, you should focus on your chest and that just to the right, you could feel something that connected you with God or with the oneness of everyone, with, with, with the supreme reality. And though our heart is on the left, they said that there's actually kind of a scientific underpinning to what Ramana Maharshi was saying. I'm sure he didn't know this in his lifetime, but apparently on the very right-hand side of the heart, there is a very special area called the sinoatrial node. This is actually the pacemaker of the heart. It provides an electrical stimulant that causes the heart to beat. It it literally is like the thing that keeps us alive. And they claimed that when Ramana Maharshi was instructing us to focus on the slight right side of our chest, that that is actually the exact location of the sinoatrial node. So arguably, they were saying, Maharshi had essentially discovered the source of life, not just the source of emotions, as I was interpreting it yesterday, but the force within us that is actually literally keeping us alive. So during the next meditation, I focused as much as I could on that area of my chest. And at first, I kind of felt a ghostly sense of misalignment. It wasn't quite as intense as in the last episode where it felt like my arms had been pulled to opposite sides of my body. It just sort of felt like my back was in the wrong place. So I shifted my body around a little bit, and I kind of found this perfect moment where everything snapped into place, and my body felt just perfectly aligned. It just was like this comfortable, neutral position where nothing really ached in my back anymore, and it felt like I could basically sit like that forever. And after I got myself properly aligned... 
I fell into the most clear, focused, calm, neutral, pleasant meditation I have ever done. I just felt really lucid and really present, but also really awake. Like I wasn't in a trance or distracted by any thoughts or feelings or images. I could still think, and I did periodically. I mean, I had a lot of time, but it always felt really purposeful and clear, and I could stop thinking at any moment. And then as I kept focusing on my chest area, slightly to the right, I started to feel a fluttering sensation. It was sort of like the emotional feeling I had felt the other day, that kind of emotional energy or vibration, except it was even more subtle. It was just like the wings of a butterfly. Like it it had the cadence of a kind of tap, 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 tap. Like it was very fast. And it was just this constant background fluttering feeling. And I was like, wait, is this the sinoatrial node? Is that possible? Is it possible that I could get so focused on my body that I could actually feel the current that is keeping my heart beating? Is that a thing? Or is it the power of suggestion once again? I mean, I kept noting that I didn't experience what they were describing until after they had described it. That being said, I had definitely felt an emotional feeling in my chest that was very similar to this butterfly effect, but it was almost like a heightened version of it. Like if you have an emotion, it heightens it. But whatever it was, it was extremely calming just focusing on this endless tap, 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 like fluttering sensation was really, really calming. And it kind of felt like it wasn't spreading, but you could actually sort of feel it all over. Like you could feel it in the pulse in your neck and you could feel it in your head. And actually I started to notice that in my eyes, like my eyes were closed but I could actually see a kind of flashing light that was exactly in time with the fluttering in my chest. I started to wonder, is this my pulse? Is my pulse in rhythm with the sinoatrial node? Or would my pulse be in rhythm with my heart? Or was there just like an energy in your body that powered the sinoatrial node, but you could actually feel that energy all through your body? Like literally when I say energy, I don't mean like spiritual energy. I mean like literal electricity in the body that like keeps it going. I didn't really know. But what was fascinating was that I could feel my heart as well. Perfectly. I could feel every beat of my heart. But the heart was at a completely different rhythm. In fact, at times, focusing on the beating of my heart actually distracted me from being able to feel that much more subtle, much quicker fluttering feeling. It took an incredible amount of focus to really pinpoint the feeling. But once I did, it took over my focus and it completely kind of grounded me. It felt amazing. And it really felt like I had gotten so in touch with my body that I could feel every process happening. In fact, I started to kind of trip out because there was this feeling on the top of my head, like this slight bit of pressure. And I was like, what is that? And I actually rotated my head a bit, and it felt like 
however I rotated my head, the pressure feeling moved so that it was always at the top. And I was like, wait, wait, am I feeling an atmospheric change on my head? Is that possible? Could you get so in touch with every little feeling and process in your body that you could actually feel the atmosphere? Everything around me felt so heightened. I could hear every sound so clearly. But they weren't really bothering me like they did the day before. I wasn't, I wasn't getting annoyed by them. Though it is worth noting that at one point, the guy right beside me coughed. And it was like a thunderclap. It was so loud. And it actually did like shock me. And I completely lost track of the fluttering sensation in my chest. And I was like, oh no, am I going to be able to find it again? But then I just got really focused and I just was really patient. And sure enough, I found it again, that that rhythm, that tapping. And by focusing on it, once again, I fell into that extremely calm, peaceful space. And in fact, at one point, a fly actually landed on my face and it didn't bother me at all. I was completely comfortable with this little fly crawling around on my forehead And it wasn't like I had to put effort in, like I was trying to be cool with the fly. Like I was like, look at how meditatively blissed out I am. Even a fly can land on me. It really was like I just didn't care. So there's a fly on me. However, the fly then landed on my nostril and it felt like it was going to crawl into my nose. And without even like deciding to, my hand just shot up and swatted it away. And it felt really weird, like When you're dreaming and you fall and your body reacts suddenly and you wake up, that's what it felt like. Like my body moved reflexively without me really trying. But then once again, I just like got back to focusing on my chest, was patient, and I got back in touch with that fluttering feeling. And it was very neutral. The the whole thing was just very matter of fact. Like I wasn't feeling good, but I wasn't feeling bad. It It was almost as if By not feeling anything, I felt really nice. Like as if neutral, getting to complete neutral, getting to kind of nothing, is itself a really pleasant feeling. It's just like content or or calm or peace or something. Like you don't actually need to get into happy emotions or positive affect in order to feel good. You can actually just feel not bad or not anything. That to me felt like a low-key definition of bliss. Maybe bliss is when you feel so neutral that you know you don't have to worry about anything. But then I was like, what if I did feel an emotion? At this, what felt like completely fully attuned with my entire body kind of sensation, what would an emotion do? And so once again... I just tried to cultivate a feeling of love. And instantaneously, it felt like there was a little injector valve that sprayed some emotion into the butterfly wings, and it immediately erupted throughout my chest in this incredible feeling of joy. And it made my eyes water and it filled my chest and my neck. And it was just this like wonderful feeling of love and joy, like 
circulating through my veins. And it really did feel like either some kind of love chemical got injected into whatever that fluttering feeling was, or it was like something caused the fluttering itself to expand or to grow or to get more powerful or or to get more rapid. And in doing so, it was a stronger sensation in my chest. And that feeling felt like love. So once again, it seemed like there was this inextricable connection between whatever I was feeling in my chest, whatever that rhythm was, which maybe, I don't know, but maybe really was my senoatrial node keeping me alive. And when I cultivate an emotion, that is that electricity that keeps me alive getting stronger or changing its rhythm or or getting faster or something. Like there's some interaction there, literally in our chest physiologically. And that interaction is what we call an emotion. That's what it felt like. And I realized way back when I did ayahuasca, I experienced all of these incredibly profound feelings of love and acceptance and joy. And I came out of doing ayahuasca feeling like I wasn't tapping into my emotions enough. Like I wasn't feeling enough love or enough joy. Like I could be feeling them more strongly, like as if they were a muscle and I wasn't flexing that muscle hard enough. But in this situation, I realized it might be the reverse. It might not be that I wasn't flexing my love muscle hard enough. It might be that I wasn't paying close enough attention. Because when you're paying extremely close attention to your body like that, the slightest little injection of love felt like, well, it felt like an orgasm. And I was like, holy shit, did I just have an orgasm in my heart? Throughout the day, I played with focusing on this fluttering feeling, and it was very consistent. Given enough patience and focus, I could almost always find it and focus on it. And it really did feel like it was inside of me, like it was physiological, like it was real. And I was kind of amazed. I wasn't attributing as much meaning to it as Ramana Maharshi was, but it really did seem like he was onto something once again that there really was something in our chest, and it was connected to the source of all of our emotions. And in fact, it might even literally be the feeling of this thing in your heart that actually keeps you alive. I was impressed. I mean, I haven't really mentioned that throughout the lectures, there were a lot of things that were said that I completely didn't agree with. Like, they talked a lot about, like, out-of-body experiences or astral projection. In fact, at one point, they claimed (laughs) that your heart can predict the future. And I was like, I don't see any utility in that stuff. But I had to admit that when it really came to the practice of focusing on your chest, that there was something to it. And even if it wasn't as deep as they thought, it was pretty incredible in and of itself. To think that you might actually be able to get so focused that you can feel something that subtle and even potentially work with it or affect it or play with it emotionally is kind of incredible. And the implication that by being more focused, being more mindful, being more present in my own body, I would actually be able to feel my emotions to the full extent 
as opposed to trying to make myself feel more emotions, I just needed to pay closer attention to them. This alone felt like quite a breakthrough to me. But as I settled into the very final meditation of the night, I felt like I could do more. I focused on the realization I had the night before, which I talked about in last week's episode. The idea that God is just a feeling. But if you want to feel God, you actually have to believe in him. And I wondered, what could I do in this final meditation to try to feel the feeling that is God? I needed to find something to latch on to, something to believe, something profound, because I don't really believe in God, and I wasn't going to try to convince myself in that moment that God was really real. But there had to be something. There had to be some back door, some way to access that kind of profound feeling of spirituality without having to buy in completely. So as I was meditating, I practiced a technique they taught us called blowing on the embers of the heart. This technique was as you breathe in and out to imagine that you are actually blowing on an ember, you know, like a piece of coal at the center of your chest. And as you blow on it, it starts to light up. You start to kind of expand the fire within it. And so as I was meditating, I was thinking of all these different kind of thoughts and feelings and essentially blowing them onto my heart as I was breathing. And as I focused on the center of my chest, slightly to the right, that fluttering feeling really did feel more accurately described as a tiny flickering flame. I mean, maybe if it actually is the sinoatrial node, who knows, it actually is a form of electricity. It is this sparking, this, this on-off, and the flickering of the flame seemed like a perfect metaphor for that. I suppose that the imagery of embers had kind of gotten into my head, but actually I also realized that right before I closed my eyes, this, this was the final meditation of the night, so it had gotten dark, and in front of me they had a candle. So there I was staring at this candle flame right before I closed my eyes and started meditating. So as I was exploring different feelings or ideas related to what is God, I felt like I was putting little bits of kindling into that flickering flame in my stomach. And it was a very, it really was a kind of heartwarming. It was heartwarming. It felt like the flame was always getting a little bit bigger as I focused positively on it and like showered it with love and attention. And it was really sweet. Like it, it felt really comforting. It felt like I had this glow, this, this magic, this, this sense of life inside of me. And the thing that really seemed to work was when I imagined feeling like I had absolutely no worries or fears. I kind of just imagined a headspace where nothing was a problem. Everything was perfect. Nothing was wrong. Nothing could go wrong. Everything was just as it should be. This real kind of deep acceptance of everything and contentment. And when I imagined a world where I had no fears and no worries, that really interacted with my little flickering flame and it turned into like a little torch. It was like suddenly I had a torch burning inside my chest and it actually made me cry. And I started to imagine that we all around this room had these little candles in our chest. And then I was like, everything that's alive has this little candle inside of it. 
And it's all the same candle. And it felt, at the time, really profound. It felt like we really were all connected. And it did feel kind of spiritual or like a sense of God, this flame inside all of us that keeps us all alive and which is all the same thing. I mean, if that isn't some definition of God, I don't know what is. So I was like, maybe I'm doing it. Maybe I am feeling God. And then Luna, who was leading the meditation, started talking. It was like the middle of the meditation and she started talking. She was like, Ask yourself, who am I? Focus on your heart. I don't remember what she said, but the classic thing they always say. And I got so annoyed because she broke my concentration. I lost the little flickering flame. I couldn't find it anymore. She had distracted me. And once again, I was full of anger because I was feeling good. And when you lose a good feeling, it leads to sadness. And that sadness is followed by anger and blame. And whose fault is this? And then I was like, oh, right, we've been through this before. We went through this with the woman who was rustling the day before. It's not Luna's fault that I lost it. It's my fault. I was the one who let my concentration drop. It's not fair for me to be annoyed with her. And when I realized that, I felt bad. I I didn't feel shame. I think I felt more like guilt. Like I had done something that I knew was not in line with my own values and I was sorry for having done it. And I, and I was worried. Part of me was worried that I would never find the flickering flame again. Because I had transgressed, because I had done wrong, the flickering flame would have like gone away or gone out or hidden or left me. And I was sad. And then I kept focusing. And there it was. I found it. It came right back. And I was filled with a kind of relief. I was like, oh, thank goodness, I didn't scare it away. And then I realized that I couldn't scare it away. There was nothing I could do, no behavior, no action, no judgment, that would ever cause my tiny little adorable flickering flame to abandon me. Except, you know, maybe dying. (laughs) Dying might do it. And I realized that in a way, that is unconditional love. My little flickering flame inside my chest will never abandon me, no matter what mistakes I make, no matter what bad thing I do. That little flame is always there, always supporting me, always like potentially literally keeping me alive by keeping my heart going. And it was just such a nice metaphor for unconditional love to take it away from all these made-up ideas of right and wrong and just be like, no, I'm always there for myself. I'm always supporting myself. I'm always keeping myself going, no matter what. It was just like this comforting, modest little reminder that I'm alive and that life is always there within me, kind of rooting for me. Keep going, AJ. And then I wondered, well, what happens when you do die? What happens to your flame? Does it go out? Does it stay flickering somewhere? Or does it leave? Does, does it, where, where would it go? And I thought about my friend Pat. He passed away from leukemia a few years ago. And if you've listened to my episode on ayahuasca, I talked about seeing him floating in the sky laughing. And I wondered to myself, what happened to Pat's flame? And suddenly it felt so obvious. (laughs) 
his flame was right here. It was this flame in my chest. It's the same flame. It started from the same source and it just spreads through everyone. And when one person's flame goes out, it still exists within everyone who's alive. So in a way, Pat was still there inside of me. But then again, so was everyone. Everyone had the same flame. Whether it was on or off, it was all the same. We were all a part of this, like, kind of mysterious, sacred thing called life. And I just sort of pictured every living thing out there in the darkness with their tiny little identical flame inside of them. And the flame felt like it was powering all of us. And we were all totally different kind of (laughs) manifestations of matter. The same chemicals and atoms, but in different formations, doing different things. But inside of all of us was the exact same flame. And it was fueling us. It was fueling me. It was fueling my consciousness. So it really did seem like you could see everything as one. This idea of non-dualism that they talked about on the very first day. I could kind of see it metaphorically in action with this image of the flame, the, the sino-atrial node, whatever you wanted to call it. Whatever the spark of electricity inside each living thing was, which was all the same thing, powered by the same stuff. I got really deep into it, actually. I was like, every time I feel that flicker you know, that tap, 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 it's like I'm on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. And like being alive is 50% being off. It's 50% being dead. It reminded me how a film has 24 frames a second, and between each frame is a frame of darkness as it switches from one frame to another. So if you actually think about it logically, half of a movie that you're watching is darkness. And in the same way, every time that little flutter, that little tap went out, even if just for a split second, I was essentially dead. And then it came back on and I was alive. And it just made me feel connected to all matter that isn't alive, but also everything that is alive. The whole thing was quite profound. And who knows, maybe I'm wrong, but it kind of feels like that's the closest to God I may ever get. While I didn't agree with everything that was said at this meditation retreat and some of the stuff seemed kind of crazy and every now and then it did seem quite culty, I have to admit that I had a really incredible experience. And the retreat was very affordable. It's like 120 US dollars. You know, you got to get yourself to Mexico and that doesn't include room and board. I think I paid an extra $40 for food and an extra like $30 a night to stay across the street. So as long as you go in you know, both open-minded and slightly skeptical, as I would encourage you to approach everything, I think you will get some value out of it. Maybe you won't have an orgasm in your heart. I don't know. Maybe you won't find God. I can't promise anything. But overall, I had a great experience. And there is something really profound, I think, going on in our stomach related to emotion and maybe even related to keeping us alive. And focusing on that is an amazing feeling. And I'm going to be doing as much of that as I possibly can moving forward. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you can predict the future with your heart. But who knows? I could be wrong. 